Hey, it's Clay. Welcome to another episode of the Money with Clay podcast. I'm pretty fired up for this one. I uh, found an article, read the article, and really, really agreed with the article. So much so that I'm actually going to be talking about the same article for the other podcast I have. Uh, just because when you look at it from just simply that perspective, that perspective being from my other business that I have uh, with the stock market and trading and investing and all that sort of stuff. I mean, this stuff really, really holds true and true to that. However, it also, and this is more so the angle of the article itself, holds true for just life in general. And that is you know, what, what this show is all about. So the name of this article, and it comes from CNBC Make It, Five Mental Traps that successful people never fall for, according to psychologists. So I always like to bring in some science. And I mean, I, I have opinions. I have some life experience now at this point. Um, but you know, at the end of the day, those are still just opinions. That's kind of uh, anecdotal type evidence. So I mean, just that, that's not really in a court of law. I'm not quite sure that would hold up. But when you can start to bring in experts, when you can start to bring in you know some science and data, that's good stuff. That makes, I mean, for me, that's, I enjoy it. Maybe that's the engineer and me coming back out. But really, hopefully you're the same way. I mean, just because something says something, at least, well, I don't know. Does that actually make sense? Is there anything to support the claim you're making? And I'm not saying you have to like sit anybody down and do like an FBI, FBI style shakedown interview, but it's probably worthwhile to at least see if there's any sort of science or data out there that kind of supports the claims. And that's why I love this article because, yeah, they're bringing in psychologists that uh, they know a, a thing or two about the human mind. So picking up with the article, our brains are wired to make sense of things by drawing connections between thoughts, ideas, actions, and consequences. But sometimes they can be straight up wrong, negative, or misleading. Cognitive behavioral therapists call these instances cognitive distortions. Cognitive distortions. Pretty sure I've had some of those in my life. These traps cause us to perceive reality different than how it really is. And the most successful people have learned how to recognize and avoid these errors in thinking at all costs. While writing my book, The More or Less Definitive Guide to Self-Care, I researched and interviewed psychologists to learn how these thought patterns can get in the way of our health, happiness, and ability to pass struggles and achieve our goals. Here are some of the most common mental traps that hold us back from success and how to overcome them. First off, emotional reasoning. So number one, emotional reasoning. Mistaking our emotions as evidence for the truth is one of the most common mental traps we fall into. And then they give an example, which I think helps out a lot. So the example that is given is, I feel like my ideas are worthless. Therefore, I shouldn't share them in this meeting. And... To me, the human mind is an obvious place until you actually hear it, and it, everything hides in plain sight, meaning I, I see that, and you're like, well, yeah, no kidding. Just because you feel a way doesn't mean that that's actually any sort of truth, but I mean, how many times have I probably fallen for that mental trap? Probably numerous times. Now, I would like to think that I've, I've, I've learned from there, but that's why I like to go over these articles and just talk about this stuff because lots of times common sense hides in plain sight, and... You kind of just need to hear it for the light bulb to go off, even though you've been staring at the solution the whole time. So to, to you know, the, the solution here is to combat emotional reasoning, cognitive therapists suggest asking yourself questions like, what are the facts that support my emotionally based determination? Or 
Is it possible that my feelings are clouded by some bias that ought to be reevaluated? I mean, those are great questions. And, you know, I, I, that's all my thought process. You know, just because something says something, well, I, I don't know. Maybe that person is saying it out of emotions. So it would be wise to therefore, you know, at least, well, let, let's see if there's any evidence out there. Or, I mean, just you got to be, you know, aware with yourself. Maybe you have some sort of bias that's kind of, like I said, they use the word clouding, but I mean, is there something out there that's maybe muddying the waters that's causing you to not make the, the right decision for, you know, the, the situation that you're in? When you stop transforming your feelings into truths, you gain the logic and clarity that will allow you to make smarter decisions. I fully agree. And like I said, when it, it, I realize for those of you that listen to this that have no experience in investing or trading or the stock market, I mean, you're like, okay, but if you do, then you know that that one is a big, big problem. Here's another big problem across the board and across society, across pretty much everything. Blaming. We engage in blaming when we hold others accountable for our own actions and feelings. The example, on your way out to work, your cat escaped through the door. Great, you say. Now I'm going to be late. And it's the cat's fault. We often blame others because it helps us preserve our sense of self-esteem by avoiding awareness of our own flaws or failings, according to Susan Whitbourne, a professor emirate of psychological brain sciences at the University of Massachusetts Amherst. And I mean, I I, I can totally see you sitting there saying, Clay, did you really need to have some sort of professional professor of psychology and the human mind and brain sciences Tell me that people blame others because they just don't simply want to blame themselves. And that's a fair point. But again, one of these things that just hide in plain sight, because how many people do you know that blame other people, that blame external sources? Once again, I've blamed other people. And one thing, though, I think I've gotten pretty good at it now, and you almost have to uh, when, you're, uh, when you are highly involved in the stock market. But you better quickly learn to start blaming yourself. Cause, and I've said this many times before on the show, but here's the power of blaming yourself. When you blame yourself, that implies that you are the problem. But if you are the problem, that means you are also the solution. And that's free and that's powerful. How bad would it be if you were not the problem? If it was some external thing and, and there's nothing you could do about it? That would be terrible. That, that, that is a very, very scary thought to think that you're actually not the problem and that there's nothing you can do about it. Oh, yes, please. I, I'm not blaming anybody. It's a person in the mirror. That way I can get better from it. That way I can prove, uh, you know, with it. Picking back up, but failing to take responsibility for the consequences of your own behavior means you're not learning from your mistakes. And being able to grow through your experiences, especially the unpleasant ones, is critical to success. And that's a fantastic point, too. Because, again, think about it. If you are blaming somebody else, well, then you've already learned, right? There's nothing to learn because it's somebody else. The only thing you've learned is that it's somebody else. It's something else that caused the problem. But I'm, I, okay. So sure, technically you learned, but you totally learned the wrong thing. I mean, if you learn how to play the game of tennis with a hockey stick, sure, you, you learned. But I mean, is that, is that knowledge going to actually take you far when you get into the sport of tennis? No, probably not. So that's what I, I, I you know, that, that, that is a great point I thought they made was, um, yeah, well, you can't really, I mean, you can learn, but you're not going to learn what you should be learning because if you just blame somebody else, then it's a quick learning lesson and, you know, on you go. And then finishing up this section, 
Playing the blame game is irrational and it stigmatizes the other party, says Gustavo Rossetti, author of Stretch Your Mind. He suggests that practicing empathy can help you quit the habit of blaming. Focus on understanding the other person. Try walking in his or her shoes. Get rid of the right-wrong approach. So some good advice there. Um, and just kind of trying to take the perspective of somebody else. Now, number three, I, I practice this word. I'll probably still butcher it. Catastrophication. Cat- catastrophication. It's based on the word of catastrophe. I never claim to be that smart. Many of us have fallen down the negative spiral of expecting disaster to strike no matter what. So the example given, the news reports that a storm is approaching. You start to imagine all the bad things that can happen. What if my house gets destroyed? What if someone I love gets hurt? What if I get hurt? Fear, especially irrational fear, plays a big part in catastrophizing, (laughs) researchers have found. But always anticipating the worst possible outcome is far from useful. In fact, studies show that it can lead to anxiety and depression. Psychologist Judith Beth, best known for her work in cognitive behavioral therapy, recommends listing the advantages and disadvantages of putting your time and energy into catastrophizing. I, yeah, that, it's hopeless. I'm not going to be able to say that word. Or she says it may help to play the devil's advocate and list all the best case or even okay case scenarios. You may find yourself in a calmer, lesser anxious, and clearer state of mind. I mean, I, I, I agree and disagree with that one a little bit. Um, I, I do believe, first off, I understand where they're coming from. Whereas if all you focus on, if all you focus on is the negative, well then yeah, that could be very depressing. That could create quite a bit of anxiety. But I do think that you should focus on some of the worst possible outcomes because if you focus on those, well then at least it's gonna get your thinking about how to avoid them, how to mitigate them, you know, how to maybe put systems and protocol in place to deal with them if they show up. Because I mean, if you just totally ignore them, well then that's kind of being ignorant towards them. And if they do happen, well, then you're, you're probably not going to be as best prepared as you could be. But I do agree in the sense of, yeah, you don't want to just only focus on that stuff. I mean, you want to focus on some of the positives too. But overall, a great point there. Number four, fallacy of fairness. Here we go. Another one that I would definitely say is trapping a whole lot of society. In the fallacy of fairness, a person believes that every situation should be determined by what is fair. Example, you're bitter that your colleague got a promotion and you didn't. You complain to yourself that it isn't fair. She rarely shows up to work on time and I probably work much harder than her. But guess what? As you've probably been told several times as a child, life isn't always fair. When you engage in the fallacy of fairness, you're more likely to wind up feeling angry, resentful, or hopeless. Psychology professors at Brigham Young University in Idaho suggest that stating your feelings as preferences can help change the way you feel about a situation. So instead of letting yourself be consumed by bitterness, tell yourself, it would be nice to get a promotion, but I don't always have control over that. Perhaps I can talk to my boss about how I can get one next year. Exactly. That last part is perfect. If Go ahead, be unhappy. That I don't have any problem with that because when you're unhappy about something, when you're frustrated about something, when you're maybe a little angry about something, I mean, that, that, that's some great motivation fuel right there to get moving. But you don't want to just sit there and be angry, be frustrated, and not do anything about it. Well, Clay, what am I supposed to do about it? Well, we got our answer. Go talk to your boss to this example. Say, hey, 
I, 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 I wanted that promotion. I didn't get it. I respect your decision. That's great. But when, when there's a, a next promotion that's coming along, I mean, do you have any suggestions? Or is there anything I can do that's going to put myself in a better position to get that one? And you just have to frame it like that. You don't go like, you're stupid. You don't know what you're doing. Hey, but how, uh, can I, how, how can I get the promotion? Well, the, the boss is probably going to say, well, first off, you don't want to probably come in here and start the conversation the way you did. But if you say, hey, I, I was hoping to get that promotion. I didn't get it. I respect your decision. Uh, but, and then you just take it from there. I mean, that's, that's a great way because, you know what? Life isn't fair. And also, here's what, I, here's what I don't like about life isn't fair. Who's defining fair? Like, what is the definition of fair? Fair in many situations is in the eye of the beholder. And just because you don't think something is fair, I'm not refuting that you don't believe it's fair. In your world, maybe it's not fair. But maybe I, maybe somebody else has a different definition of what fair actually is. So the whole idea of fair for me is, is always one of those very kind of thin ice type things because there's a whole lot of subjectivity that goes into it. Um, and what's fair for, or what's not fair for somebody might be totally fair for somebody else, but fair, I don't know what actually is fair. I suppose probably the best rules would be just, that's why games have rules to keep them fair for both sides. But in life, it's not quite, uh, you know, it, I, in my opinion, at least it's not quite that black and white. And then finally, number five, personalization. Personalization involves taking everything personally or assigning blame to yourself without any logical reason. Example, my son got an F on his final exam and it's all my fault. I should have spent more time helping him study. Psychologists have found that personalization can lead to guilt, shame, and feelings of inadequacy. To work through this cognitive distortion, take a step back and think about what part you played in the situation. Then consider how you might not be entirely to blame. By looking at things from an outsider's perspective, you may discover that there were a variety of factors at play and that the outcome is not a direct reflection of you. And that, that's, a, that's a great one. Again, always some great territory because you do want to blame yourself. That, that's true. But in blaming yourself, you need to understand the context of the situation. You need to kind of take a step back and realize that, you know what, maybe it really wasn't me. Or maybe it was me in that little regard, but not nearly as big of a regard as what I, I thought it was. And self-reflection, that is how you can build self-awareness. But yes, I, I do fully agree that if you jump through the extreme of, you know, in the example, my son got the F, it's my fault. Did they use the word all? Oh yeah, and it's all my fault. Not just my fault like a little bit, but I mean in this example to say use the word all my fault, I mean that's certainly jumping to an extreme and you don't want to do that. Now, maybe it is a little bit of their fault. Once again, you, you do the self-reflection. You say, okay, you know, because let's look at it. F is a worst case scenario. So the worst case scenario did indeed happen. And that's why earlier I was saying, you know, I, I do believe in looking at the worst case scenario because if you start in this example with worst case getting an F, okay, well, how, how can we prevent getting an F? You know, how can we just avoid that in the first place? And then who knows, maybe you can, uh, you know, uh, you know, look at ways of, now obviously the answer there would be well to study and study hard and to study effectively. Uh, but that is why, like I said, didn't totally agree with that one. But yeah, to uh, totally blame yourself and then not do any self-reflection on it, I, that's a total mental trap and I can see why if anybody's successful, they're not gonna be doing that. Uh, they're, they're going to fess up. They're going to admit the areas where, yeah, maybe they are gonna personalize some of it because it was their fault. 
but to jump to the extreme with a, a powerful word such as all. I mean, think about that, all my fault. Yeah, that's, uh, that is, <laughs> that would be quite extreme and not productive at all. And like I said, I found this super, super beneficial um, through my life experiences. Again, I'm a data point of one, so I'm not saying that because I have it in my life experience that that means it's totally valid. But all I'm saying is I, for the most part, fully agree with all these. And in the areas where I disagree, as you saw, it's not that I necessarily disagree. It's just there there are some kind of nooks and crannies where I think uh, a little bit more needed to be said. But overall, yeah, be aware of these mental traps. If you've fallen into them or, or you, you maybe right now you're like, oh, wow, I've, I've fallen into lots of those. Maybe you're potentially falling into one right now with something going on in your life at work or home or fam or really anywhere. Because like I said, these are totally life. If you're uh, one of the listeners that's part of my other business, I mean, ask yourself, can you relate to any of these that maybe have shown up in your investing and trading? Um, again, I, I know I have, and that's why I'm definitely going to be doing this episode um, for that podcast. But yeah, be aware of the mental traps. And like, you know, that successful people, they don't fall for them. And this is based in science. So get out there, start to identify these mental traps and avoid at all costs. Thank you so much for hanging out and listening. Before I go, I wanna just make your attention to a few things. First off, if you enjoyed the show, then make sure to help us out in the iTunes, especially if you could leave us a rating. That goes a long way and just assists me in getting the word out there. And I, I genuinely would appreciate it. Second, if you find yourself either in debt or just feeling like your, your personal finances are kind of out of control or could be much more efficient, then I would encourage you to go to moneywithclay.com and check out the slab money method. That is the course that I put together as a former process engineer that outlined every single step, step by step by step with documentation, with forms to fill out, that'll put you on the path, the exact path I used to pay off $163,000 of debt and get myself to the point where not only am I debt free, but I am now able to build wealth and build wealth in an efficient uh, manner. So if you're curious and interested in that, again, moneywithclay.com and that is the slab money method. And no, this is not all some massive sales pitch when I say that it works, it truly does. And I back that up with more than words. My action behind those words is that course comes with a one year money back guarantee. So if you try it out and you're not making any progress, you're not seeing any progress, then I will refund you the cost of the course, which is very minimal to begin with. And then finally, make sure to check us out on social media, Facebook, Instagram, just look up for Money With Clay and you will see us there. Again, thanks for hanging out. I'll see you back next episode.